Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty. We have a very special episode today with longtime Roto Worlder, current NFL networker Greg Rosenthal, joining myself, John, and Denny. We're going to pepper him with questions about training camp, try to see if he remembers anything about fantasy football, <laughs> and uh, apparently talk to him about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Greg, first off, how are you doing? I need to start doing some fantasy prep, like while you're talking during this podcast. So, oh, I, I always have a three or four minute monologue prepared on something totally pointless. If you want to just launch into that, you can study eighty. I figure that's going to happen naturally, just at some point, a few times, and at that point, I'll check around. Well, the first monologue I wanted is this is something you and I occasionally communicate about uh, with a certain figure that I think sometimes we can't figure out our feelings on. Novak Djokovic. Oh wow. And- I'm just wondering, is he going to win the Golden Slam? Is this like happening for real? Is this something we have to deal with? You know, he's at the Olympics right now. I uh, I got like way more into tennis because I came became like a Kanishi Corey fan through my wife like t- a decade ago. And they're going to play each other in the quarterfinals most likely at this point. And so I am hoping that he gets taken down uh, by a great moment uh, in Kay's history. I, I hope not. I think it'd be too much pressure. I think by the time he gets to New York... And all this keeps happening. Someone will take him down before it's ending, and good will triumph over evil. Yeah, I, I think he's just too robotic. You know, he's got to avenge last year's throat rip. The enormous the MacGruber joke from the U.S. Open. If you don't know what a throat rip is, uh, Google MacGruber throat rip. I like and, that uh, your show's called a Good Football Show, and like whoever's tuned in has already t- turned off because uh, we're talking Djokovic. Off yeah, we're talking Djokovic, and we're talking throat rips. That's uh what you talk about on the family podcast completely alienated the throat rip is is best known i think from roadhouse is it Mm. is that a roadhouse thing that's a roadhouse uh, thing it's it happens and it's and it's quite quite disturbing it's it's when uh it's when swayze becomes a mass murderer at the end okay uh yeah is that the director's cut of roadhouse uh never seen roadhouse i'm only 30 denny was like at the roadhouse line i believe denny's 37 (laughs) I'm 34. I don't even know who Patrick Swayze was. So uh, sorry you had to date yourself like that. Denny. Real quick, I mean, Denny, anyone else, you guys, uh, has anyone seen, like, what's, like, the craziest Olympics thing you've seen so far? I saw some very, very strong Slovenian man, like, just canoeing the hell out of a canoe 
earlier today and getting the gold medal and uh, that was pretty inspiring actually what's like the the weirdest craziest olympics thing you've seen so that's actually the proper term is canoeing the hell out of it that's what yeah. they say in the sport <laughs> tennis wise i don't know i like to watch handball a lot i am genu- i genuinely think that handball athletes are better than nba athletes like it is absolutely Ooh. insane what they go through and the way they maneuver their body just to score goals like between their legs. And imagine being a handball goalie too. I will watch that sport every single time it comes on. That's a hot take. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, it's a hot take. Yeah, I don't know if we can let that go. Uh, <laughs> I'm like seeing the Olympics through the eyes of my children who are, you know, six and nine. They're so into it. So it does make me appreciate all these random sports i that we've been enjoying the 13 year old skateboarding girls i don't like because they're just a few years older than my kids and they're just eating it jump after jump and like coming up smiling it's great it's a great lesson for people to just like you know you're gonna you're gonna fall and scrape your face off like four times but yeah you can still win some medals that's been one of those things i've been meaning to do more research on like i look up my muted television i'm like there are actual children skateboarding right now i should probably google this (laughs) and see uh what the deal is with with this and i mean has anyone else watched the water polo by the way you want to talk about like throat rips like i feel like water polo is like the most violent sport in the world like these people it's a lot. It's a lot. I I once played uh, basketball in a pool with a bunch of college dudes. Got roughed up pretty good. And and I was thinking about that when I was watching water polo and thinking, I couldn't I couldn't deal with this for more than maybe like sixty seconds. That would be my probably my my limit. Yeah, too too rough. Tone like it it's hard. It's hard. And like of course you have to be a good athlete to do it. But I think they should get rid of water polo. This Ooh. is a stupid sport. It's that's, a bad. I've all that's the, a harder like, take than mine. Like the kids are the good barometer. Like they're watching, you know, they see the uneven bars like, wow, that's impressive. The skateboarding. Wow. That's impressive. Water pole. It's just like, isn't this silly? Isn't this well, kind of kids a little are too silly? young to understand the majesty of like elbowing someone in the kidney underwater. <laughs> like that's not really on their radar yet. Or like water polo, you're getting in like underwater kidney. It's shots. like taking it's- other good sports and like the, you know, making them like 40% slower and less enjoyable. <laughs> I just want to be on the record of saying any Olympic sport broadcast by NBC is fine by it's fine by me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of all of them. Here you go, Denny. There you go. That's a perfect bow on our opening conversation that will take us to training camp. 
And I could think of no better play. That's what we're talking about today, by the way, training camp. Uh, I think I kind of said that in the intro. We're going to talk about it's kind of like the top training camp storylines as the NFL universe rumbles back to life here. And I guess we have to start. I actually wasn't going to start with this, but we have to start with Aaron Rodgers, it sounds like, who is back with the Green Bay Packers. He's uh, demanding things like lots of money, lots of Randall Cobbs, um, <laughs> kind of just like all over the map. We don't know if he's going to get the Randall Cobbs. Sounds like he's going to get a lot of money. I don't. What is there even really to talk about here? Because like to me, this was the only – Unless he was willing to go full Carson Palmer and retire, like this had to be the ending, did it not? I mean, he had truly no leverage. I, so I, I don't even. How do you even begin this conversation? To me, this is where like this was always going to be the ending. Uh, and like, does anyone, anyone have any thoughts on this? Because I don't. I was just like, yeah, he's going to be back with the Packers. That, I'm that's, surprised. Our, that's our show today. That's our show today. I, I'm surprised. No, wait, no, no. Okay, so I, I was doing news this morning, and I saw they had that you know horribly awkward uh, uh, shareholders meeting in, in Green Bay where people were booing every time Roger's name came up. <laughs> and when they told the fans that they had to stay away from the Packers who were, who ride their bikes to training camp, you know, uh, anyway, so that, that all was happening. And, um, and it, and then the, the Ian Rappaport uh, report came out saying that, uh, you know, people close to Rogers say that he's going to be back that you know that caught me by surprise i thought he was i thought he was dug in maybe you guys just it seems like john you seem you seem not surprised no not at all uh it was an ambiguous situation i think it's crazy to believe one or the other way honestly until two hours ago when greg's colleague uh ian Rappaport reported from shareholder meetings that this news with source closest to the issue had leaked saying that rogers uh is open and will be back playing for the packers yeah. this year so i think that was the first sign and then Schefter came out and sort of corrected the terms and has leaked four or five things since then, which seem right now to include Rodgers having a player option or at least say in his status with the team in 2022 and 2023, voiding those final years, which isn't even really having a say. It just means we know he's getting the hell out of there next year. It's one last dance with Devontae Adams, and then it's mm-hmm. goodbye for Carolina to write the check of all checks <laughs> next season, as they've been waiting to do this year, uh, just playing out with Sam Darnold on his fifth op- fifth year option. So that's where we're at right now. And it just seems like, yeah, it's for sure happening right now. Well, I, I think it was setting it up for a while when, when the camp was saying he did his totally normal training last week, when he sent the last dance tweet, I thought it was like, Oh, it's over. That was him telling us he was back. I don't think he was like trying to be too vague about it. Uh, He did what he could to get what he can. And he had to have some sort of face saving concession giving to him by the Packers. But it sounds like it's extremely little. It's the 2023 year in his contract. So that would mean I think my big question was, is he going to be able to dictate that he's no longer on the team a year from now and the Packers don't get any trade compensation? Because that's a little different than what happened with Tom Brady. And from the sound of it, it sounds like they're only voiding the 23 year. He's no tags after 22, but that he still will be under contract in 2022. And the Packers agree to review his situation at the end of the season. So basically the Packers are getting to keep him for one more year and they're going to get to get whatever trade compensation they can for him a year from now. So it's like win-win Gutekunst. And by, by the way, it's like if he wins the MVP again, they could still try to give him 90 million guaranteed or whatever it is and keep him if they felt like it. So it really feels like he's getting very little out of this other than just skipping work for the off season, which was probably fun. Well, you know, I would sounds like to. you're underestimating 
the true value he got out of the way, which was some social media content that he got out of this for the past few months. <laughs> it, it also paid our bills. So thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Greg yeah. just doesn't understand the value of posting. Aaron Rodgers does. He learned it from Denny. Yeah, I, I, I thought the only thing I was surprised, I thought he would try to rattle. I was the at cage. Roto World when the whole Brett Favre thing was happening. I was writing oh. all those daily <laughs> things. Yeah. So uh, we've I've been there baptized by Packers uh, fire. I, I I thought he would try to like rattle their cage a little more, but uh, mm-hmm. he, he didn't even do that. And yeah, it was a very anticlimactic and, and yeah, you're right. He's still like, not even like calling his own shot was next year. I th- the whole thing was quite like a very 2021 saga, just like months and months and months of like scuttlebutt and anger. And then just like we're ended right back where we began. Basically. And, and congratulations to everyone who drafted Rogers, Adams, and Aaron Jones in best ball at severely depressed ADPs because that's that's gonna that's gonna pay off pretty well. Very quick fantasy. We're we're, we're not gonna be a fantasy show today. No, we are. But uh, John, he's been about what QB twelve, QB thirteen. Where where do you see his final ADP kind of parking over the next two? QB five, QB six, or are people gonna be Ooh. still like a little spooked from the situation and maybe more like the QB eight range? Well, you should still be spooked just in having career years as a 36-year-old. Yes, yes, yes. Because remember, like the two years prior, he was still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but fantasy-wise, still offered very little as a middling QB2. And so last year's anomaly was a big Jordan Love spike, if anything. So I'd still be worried. But more importantly, and Greg, this is for fantasy note number one for your notebook over there, Aaron Jones had slipped all the way to the middle of the second round, and that's just incorrect. Like the ADP without mm. Rodgers is being baked in there. Same for Devontae Adams, who was going as wide receiver five. We know he should be wide receiver one or two as basically the Christian McCaffrey of wide receivers with Aaron Rodgers under center. So just bump all those guys back up into the first round as for Adams, top two player, for Jones, top seven, right around Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley area. So we said Rodgers got nothing, but what he actually got was to lead off this show. And that wasn't the initial plan. <laughs> So I guess we can uh, give him props on that. What I really wanted to lead off the show with, the training camp storylines, I can think of really no better place to start than the Saints' quarterback competition. Mm. That is, if it is even a quarterback competition, you know, especially now that the Golden Goose, Michael Thomas is making very questionable decisions about when to undergo ankle surgery. Actually, I can't say that. He knows his body better than anyone else. And probably uh, it's just unfortunate. He probably would have gotten the surgery earlier if he had needed it. But Greg, is, is Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston a real competition? Or do like do we already know the answer to this? Is it just last year's situation with just like an even bigger Taysom Hill role? Because I, I feel like the only thing I know for sure is that like Taysom's role can't possibly get smaller, but I don't know if he can get big enough where he's like the starting quarterback. <laughs> well, so, I mean, he was the starting quarterback when we were in the same situation last year when there was no Drew Brees. As someone who thinks Jameis Winston is a better player than probably is given credit for in his career it's like i try i'm doing like a making the leap article this year and i trotted out i love checking where he's at with yards per attempt career wise every year because it always goes down like a little bit but yeah he's still ahead of brady he's still tied for fifth all time by the way Jameis winston <laughs> ahead of matt ryan ahead of stafford like ahead of just about anyone i i've seen this story enough with sean payton though like i believe him when he's telling me like how much he loves Taysom hill He's Taysom Hill's making so much more money than Jameis Winston. And the fact that there isn't Michael Thomas there and some of the little whispers mm-hmm. this summer actually make me think, I don't know, maybe he'll just be crazy enough to not want to throw the ball 
much at all. And it actually is a real competition. Initially, I was assuming it's going to be all Jameis. But now when Marquez Calloway, Traquan Smith, <laughs> Harrison, Adam Troutman are, are your like top receivers. I don't know. Maybe maybe he will look into just like running the ball 60 times a game with Taysom Hill as the quarterback. I, I do. I do think that Thomas being out for the first part of the season and, and, it, and it could be into October, depending on the on how quickly he uh, recovers. He needs 60, six to eight weeks after the June surgery just to be able to start training, you know, just to start working out again. Anyway, Thomas's absence, I think, is really bad for Jameis Winston's chances at getting the start the week one starting job. Like Greg said, I, I think that there's a really good chance. Sean Payton, who is no dummy, just says we can't we cannot run the offense that we we're going to run with Michael Thomas. And they, there's a there's a good chance that they could just run one without you know, wide receivers being involved much at all. There was already a report out there back in May or June uh, that said that Peyton was looking to lean on the backfield on Kamara and Latavius Murray in any case, no matter who starts uh, this season. So I I think that the Saints offense could be really different and really fun this year. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. but, but that does mean Taysom Hill starts. And, I, mean, I do think fantasy. it's James Winston, for by the way. I do yeah. think it's James Winston, by the way. We I was about to say, I, I actually I just don't... feel like it's more like 70-30, 60-40 than I would have at the beginning of the offseason. Yeah, I I don't know if Hill starts, but I would figure, just like the Cam Newton, Matt Jones situation, honestly, that they use the players at their strengths. And that means putting Taysom Hill in, in on the 10, just like the Patriots probably would Cam Newton, because he's still like a brute force weapon that you can't stop from under center. And you have so many options to do in personnel packages with them. Plus, given Jameis Winston's historic turnovers, like not the best guy to have playing in the red zone. So, yeah, like I generally just think he goes the hell with it, dual cool dual QB situation. I don't want any of them. I want Marquez Calloway in like round (laughs) 15 or 16. I'm serious. I kind of like Marquez Calloway and I assume people aren't really going to care about him and he'll just be like a last round pick that I'd be fine with the rest of it. Forget it. Yeah. We'll go back to the Traquan Smith. Well, for the 19th time and this time it will work. It will work. Uh, It will work, Greg. Just, you got to trust us. Right. We know all about good offensive line people for people kind of like, sleep on that drew Brees led a moderately productive offense last year like he was ninth in dvoa like as much as it sort of was painful to watch him there's there's absolutely a chance like the floor falls out of all everyone everything there including the like the defense could be terrible too greg it's already been established as canon by the way that drew Brees was awful last year don't try to rewrite that i mean he was he was he was pretty bad no yeah it's actually a good point I'm getting sidetracked now, but Drew Brees last year was like, I would send like, well, here's my nine tweet thread. I don't think I've ever done that before, but here's my nine tweet thread about why Drew Brees is washed now. And then I, you know, I'd go to his pro football reference. The guy is still averaging over eight yards per attempt, huh? (laughs) Like still right in line with his career norms and averages. So it was just, it was just different last year. I, I would also say, Greg, fantasy note number two is that as we know, tight ends, just don't matter beyond the tight end five. Uh, it's mm. just such a hard time getting any amount of production for them. Adam Troutman is, like you said earlier, a very interesting player since we know he's basically going to be an every down guy without Jared Cook. The issue, of course, is like the one start he got for Cook last year is that they did run Josh Allen run more routes because Troutman is such an elite blocker. So that's the concern. Mm. Other than that, yeah, I would still move him up. All right, Greg, we're moving on to like – what in the world do we make of this Deshaun Watson situation? He has reported to training camp. He's still facing nearly two dozen sexual assault allegations. He's being investigated by the Houston police department. 
and the NFL. And yet the Texans are still talking basically as if it's business as usual, at least in the people who they leak reports to. They're reportedly demanding three first round picks and starting caliber players in return for Deshaun Watson. I, this is one of those situations where I just feel like I have no idea what is going on here really. And like, what, what is going on here? Do you think Deshaun, are we going to see Deshaun Watson playing football in September, whether for the Texans or otherwise, or is this something where you think like the media isn't really in like alignment with what's actually going on. And maybe like, we're really overestimating the odds he plays this year. Cause my initial feeling was like, there's no way this guy's playing this year. Mm-hmm. And now that seems that that was totally incorrect. And I have no idea what's going on. Oh, I wouldn't, I, I think we're in line with not knowing anything. I don't think the Texans and I guess the NFL does. I mean, I different sides were like waiting for, okay, is the league going to take the lead here? No, they're not going to put him on any list. Is are the Texans going to take the lead here? No. So it, I understand from Watson's point of view, why he showed up to sort of force the issue. But I, I found that, you know, the reports this morning insane that like that they're putting it out there. Okay. Now we're open for trading. We weren't before. And here's what we want. Three first round picks and more because for that caliber of player, it's like, what just happened the last yeah. four months? He's accused of being like a serial sexual assault perpetrator, and none of that's been remotely settled. After no. that's all settled, if it's all settled, whether that's through the legal system and or a suspension, then it's like you can start talking about his value. But there, there was sort of an implication in the reports that his value hasn't changed, which seems insane to me, not to mention like how any woman reading that is going to feel that like uh, he's worth three or first round picks like any should be. It's like, no, his his whole future is up in the air as far as I know right now. So why would anyone be giving up like their future as a team form? I it's hard for me to imagine. And that's why I sort of am with you, Pat, that I, I don't know that it, that there's at some point someone's going to press pause to this a little bit like Trevor Bauer in baseball and the whole situation is going to have to play out first because what team is going to be trading for him with that much uncertainty? It doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, maybe the only thing we've learned is that his value hasn't changed in like these blinkered front offices and maybe they're going to find out soon. Like the, yeah, well, according is- to the tech that like, that's what the Texans want. Like shocker, the Texans are, you know, stepping in it, you know, in how they're handling this again. I, I don't, I don't get it. It's just clearly an organization that has no idea what to do or how to do any football operations whatsoever. Ari Myroff, the, the account individual of the My Sports Update social media, which I forget is a human being, like an actual reporter. He even noted that all that news this morning was coming from Houston's front office. Like it was just all pushing their own narrative, mm. which as you said, was just an very odd time. Well, he doesn't know, to be fair. That That's fair, yeah. But it could but easily, still- when, I, when I saw that he said that, I thought, well, A, you don't know that, but B, <laughs> it could easily be Watson's camp because they're True. trying to ca- create a market. Because right now Watson and the Texans are aligned in the same way that they want to get him off the Texans yes. now to possibly, then, to possibly play this year. That's like both. That's what they both are desiring right now. And it, it actually seems like maybe because he showed up and that they've, they've come to some sort of detente on that issue. And maybe that's where that news comes from now that I'm like talking it out. And then Mike Garofalo added that no matter what happens, whatever the outcome is here, like Deshaun Watson is still trying to air his grievances, like tell his side of the story, which again, if you're his camp, you say, if we get through this, there's absolutely no way. Like, you're never talking to press ever again, and we're moving on. 
It's just an odd situation to begin with. And that it happened on this morning, of all things. Uh, we clearly need August to just come in a hurry. Yeah, Chris Mortensen reported it, it was some combination of five players and draft and high value draft, draft picks. So I guess it, it could be like two or three first rounders and a franchise quarterback and somebody else. I, and, and, and that's, it's just remarkable. Like, like Greg was saying, it's as if, it's as if the Houston PD and the league and everybody closed the book on this and said, and said, Oh, you know, all these 22 uh, sexual assault allegations, it, they're all done. You know, the, the, this, this saga is over. It's not, it's not even and, close. And as if like the last, you know, three to four years in this country hasn't happened too. Like I, I was running our NFL newsroom when the Greg Hardy and a lot of you know, Ray Rice and all that stuff happened. And yeah. it felt like sort of a, a sea change in how things were going to be covered that maybe this situation is like creating a lot more problems. And the NFL would probably, it's not easy. Like it's easy for us to like send out like, Hey, or here's what you should do, but it probably would be helpful for every party involved for the league to step in and ha have some sort of mechanism to hit a pause button, even if you're Correct. not ready to suspend yeah. them or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what it boils down to. So none of us go know what's going on. Seemingly none of the like involved parties know what's going on. They're all just waiting for someone to take the lead. And really the entity that needs to take the lead is the NFL. And the commissioner's exemplist something because uh, yeah it seems like there's just no plan from anyone involved here right now moving on weird to switch gears here we're switching gears though to uh one of the man men is named jake funk another one is xavier jones these are some rams running backs you may or may not have heard of <laughs> and uh this do we really believe the report you know the rams party line so far is that they are staying out of the veteran running back market mm -hmm. And I very much believe they're staying out of the Todd Gurley market. That, that was pretty astonishing when people tweeted like, well, here comes the Gurley reunion folks uh, <laughs> knew it all along uh, where they like paid him an astronomical money, amount of money not to play for them. I'm pretty sure they will not be going back to that. Well, but is there any chance the Rams like truly trust Daryl Henderson to stay healthy and lead this backfield? Do they actually believe in these young guys, Greg, or do you see between now and week one, Adrian Peterson, et cetera, joining this Rams backfield. Yeah, I think someone, maybe a Duke Johnson would be good. It's like, I guess I should probably like you and Traquan Smith give up on the Duke Johnson yeah. is better than you think. <laughs> but I think as just like an NFL player that can help out a team, maybe not a fantasy team. I absolutely believe Duke Johnson would help this Rams team. And there's a few others out there, but it makes sense to me that they would rather just take a look at who's there for two or three weeks in camp and not waste the snaps on a veteran guy and then kind of make an assessment of where they're at after a couple more weeks. I, if they, if they believed in Henderson, I think we would know. And I, I guess they, I don't think they do. I think they've called him a change of pace back since the day he got there. He's been a little banged up. If you just watched his snaps last year, it's pretty damn good. Like he looks like if he was on the field for 250 touches he would be the man like he's he was like top 10 dvoa he, you know he was like their running game when he was in was at the helm which was brief was pretty done which was good but it doesn't seem like they trust him yeah i think the re i think the reason there greg that it won't be duke johnson is because he's been the duke johnson typecast already they like they seem to like firmly believe he's like pure change of pace back 
can't stay healthy, will contribute as a pass catcher, but I, I feel like he's already in like the Duke Johnson netherworld. Um, Daryl Henderson, as you mean? Yeah, Daryl Henderson. Sorry, the Daryl. No, he's such a different player. He's like such an explosive. He's a different player. He doesn't try to get out of the way of tacklers. And Daryl Henderson has been good when given the chance. Like Duke Johnson has as many chances, just hasn't been good in the NFL. He's a different player, but the point I was trying to make is like (laughs) once you get typecast, I feel like there's like nothing you can do to get untypecast by NFL coaches, even someone like Sean McVay. Like there's this like I feel like they're convinced he's a part-time uh, well, committee type back. Twenty eight hundred yards uh, receiving in his in his relatively quick short career. That's like five hundred a season. Come on, come on, John. Let's <laughs> talk about Duke. Yeah, he's talking about, yeah. about Duke. He's a good receiver. No, no, Denny, come on. You didn't know Daryl Henderson had 2,800 receiving yards? He's a good role player. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's all. Uh, that's all. I didn't know. Uh, so, you you know, I know you're you're mentioning this because of what Sean McVay said today, but the according to our NBC Sports Edge blurb, it says uh, he considers Henderson every down back emphasized needing mm. to make sure he can stay durable. Quote, it's never been an ability question with Henderson, McVay said. It's about how do we keep him available? I can promise you, you're not seeing Henderson in a preseason game. That's not quite shocking. But I mean, they seem open to the idea of Henderson as, you know, something he's close got to juice, man. People back. like, yeah, don't you guys think he's, I mean, if you just watched his 30 best runs last year and you watch Cam Akers' 30 best runs, I'm not, I don't think there's much separate. Like, I, you might take Henderson's and I like them both. You, you're not buying this. Thing. No, John, John, no, no, no. You, you have a, you don't have any strong Daryl Henderson opinions, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he averaged nearly nine yards per carry his last two seasons at Memphis. Like, he's always been an right. explosive, bruising, right. like 2,000 yard runner. He's so talented, but the timeline makes sense. He came in as a rookie, did not understand how to find a gap in zone run scheme at all because he's just a straight line dude. And when they finally learned more um, at the end of his rookie year and offseason last year, it obviously clicked. He opened behind Cam Akers. Then Cam, Cam Akers got the ankle injury. Daryl Henderson come in and was still explosive, but then he got the ankle injury midway through the year. It's like, it's just a caveat. It's a storyline that happened with so many players and teams last season that you forget these little things happen that like explains why players struggled or whatever the case offenses as a whole. And that's one of them that Henderson was good last year when it finally all clicked. He got injured, was no longer that good. Cam Akers won the job. The story's told from there, but everything McFay is saying, like literally everything from today's blurb to the fact that, uh, McFay has been worried about Henderson staying healthy, even going back to the spring when he didn't play. He has right. a mysterious injury that I don't even know what the injury is, honestly. I don't think McFay has said it. And so there's just a lot to be concerned about. Having said that, like Xavier Jones and Jake Funk really don't have draft capital or like any momentum behind their career. So besides being guys in opportune situations, like I don't know why we value them outside of that. I'm looking, you sent that ADP from Underdog Fantasy. Henderson, uh, at least for now, is like RB30, way behind behind guys like Javante Williams and Gaskin and Kareem Hunt and Trey Sermon. I would jack him up and take my chances way above that. Mm. I think that'll get corrected. Okay. All so I'll say with Daryl Henderson thing. is that, like, especially with McVeigh's Monday comments, I basically read that as Daryl Henderson's attorneys have the Duke Johnson <laughs> paperwork. We're just waiting for him to sign it. Once they do, we can. Duke Johnson's forward. like the best case scenario, though. I think if, if you were buying Daryl Henderson, that's perfect to me is they signed Duke Johnson behind you. Cause so, oh, yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. going to be behind him. They're not going to give him 400 touches. So yeah. that's perfect. A, a guy who's just like plays 
some third downs and, and gets like six carries a game. And I think this morning's news was confirmation that he's not getting 200, 300 touches. Uh, it's very right. clear, like sprinkle them in for 15 a game, if that, and then let someone else do the work behind him. 15 a game, he'd be a true flex. He'd be working on top 30 then. We could we could work with that. We could work with that for our boy, Daryl Henderson. Hear the Olympics like you have never heard them before with the podium, an NBC Olympics podcast. Follow along with host Lauren Shihadi as we bring you deep into the stories and behind the curtains each day during the Tokyo Olympics. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Greg, before the show, you and I'd be down me- with that. I was like back in... 2008, nine, six, seven, I don't even know at, you know, when NBC bought us, I was at Roto world. And then we, we started going into Stanford, Rick Cordella, who's still at the NBC will admit this, that I was pestering him to start a football podcast. Like every day <laughs> I was like having to download the Simmons podcast, you know, the BS report before I went on my long train ride up there. Cause you know, you can couldn't stream anything you had to like download it before you went on your trip or whatever i was lo- i was addicted to podcasts and he was just like oh no there's no money in it there's no if we had started a fantasy podcast back then you know would have been silva eventually wes and and roto pat come in and just think how much more successful a good football show would be right now you know you would have all those subscribers you could have kept them it's at the summit with me already i would say and uh, a, i don't know if pe- it would have included peacock. Come on. I know it's hard to imagine more successful, but I'm just saying. I don't think it would have included Silva, by the way. I mean, Silva's he's getting in the podcast game ever more, but I still feel like that's not his natural. He's good. I feel like he doesn't he doesn't like it though. Watch he's, it. Uh, Watch yeah, it. He's getting no, no. I mean, he, he he's just like Evan. Am I am I wrong, John? Does Evan like podcasting? Um, uh, who knows what he's good at it he, he's good at it I be just careful don't know he he's gonna it. drive down to wherever you're at pat and just like stand ominously in your doorway yeah, no he's gonna just force me anything. to drink eight beers immediately <laughs> and, uh, and write okay. blurbs he still does hold the blurb title among all the belichick coaching tree that came from real world like he definitely has still written the most he does he does and yeah but first hey. that, he's a great podcaster but he just i don't know if he like i like uh i just don't know if he loves it folks and rosenthal was it you two that didn't get along initially Could. no you hired evan you hired Evan. no i hired wasn't... evan oh, oh it was evan and some... adam then no. yeah yeah <laughs> evan was not like evan. a levitan believer and like wanted him I don't know. Yeah, he, he, him he on was, basketball. He was Get very, him on basketball. He was very exacting. He didn't like the fact that Levitan like would would also have basketball expertise and split his work. And he was just like, "You're either in or you're out." And it's like he's not. You know, I was like, "No, this guy, he's good. He's good. Just just lay off." Well, that's one day. I just I got a call from Brett Vandermark. This is a true story. Our former boss, Brett Vandermark, and just said, uh, "You're not doing baseball anymore." Uh, Evan wants you full time on football. I'm like, all right. And uh, I was already working that. I thought way it was anyway. like traitorous to to work on other sports. I'm like, no, you know, yeah. from my perspective, it's actually add some value here that we can use him in a couple spots. And now he goes around wearing a Chicago Cubs hat. Yeah. So uh, make of that what you will about Evan Silva. Hypocritical. Yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Greg, before the show, you informed me of one fact and one fact only, and that was that you were high on the Denver Broncos. Well, you asked me, you were like, anything you want to talk about? I was like, yeah, you could talk about anything in the world, and you chose the Denver Broncos. Um, And is it you? Is this saying you're spying a path out of the Drew Lock wilderness, either in terms of him getting better, getting replaced? Teddy Bridgewater finally takes that elusive. Step forward. Give us the spiel on the Broncos. We want to. I'm rooting for Teddy, but that's like the weakest part of my argument. I do think he'll be the starter, most likely week one. You know, Mike Silver was with his with the Broncos during draft weekend and wrote a piece for NFL.com at the time that basically said the front office and everyone was planning for Teddy to be the starter and was going to be the likely starter. And that that news sort of got swept under in that you know the coaches are being politically correct and everything. But that is kind of my anticipation but i think if you take the quarterback out of it which is a big caveat maybe the biggest caveat it, a huge one but def, you know i know this defensively you don't care as much but top, what's the what's top, defense top I mean, three I don't even know top three defense in just in terms of personnel the secondary is insanely deep i'm giving fangio a lot of the credit here because with all those injuries last year the last couple of years really they've been so competitive to me, he would be like my number one draft pick in terms of like a defensive play caller. So you have him, you have a good front seven, a great secondary. I'm putting them around top three defense. And then offense, name me three teams with a better skill position group than, okay, Gordon and Williams at running back. So I love Jerry Judy. And so Sutton, Judy, Patrick, the whole, the whole fun gang, even KJ Hamler as a four is great. And I love Noah Fant. And I love Albert O. I was going to say, Albert someone o, say like, Albert O. Please yeah. say Mizzou. Had to say. I, I loved o. him. Like, if he, he was incredibly explosive in the in the little time that he got. That is an awesome group. That in a top three or four defense, that's that to me. Like, Teddy Bridgewater, as, as bad as he was in, like, the situations that, you know, theoretically matter the most, which are, like, <laughs> fourth quarter and red zone. He was really bad. But despite that, he still was pretty middle of the pack in, like, PFF and DVOA because pretty much the first 55 minutes of the game and not red zone, he was what you would expect, like a league average starter. So if you get a league average starter, kind of Teddy Bridgewater and his, like, Alex Smith with the Chiefs mode yeah. and a great defense, that's that might be, like, 11 or 12 wins. Healthy Von Miller and Bradley Chubb this year. Oh, yeah. uh, it's funny because George Payton actually took to their draft as if a competent quarterback was on the roster. Just in <laughs> passing on Rashawn Slater for Patrick Sertain, adding Javante Williams and, and Quinn Miners, Baron Brown 
running as well. So like, I, I totally agree with you that it's top three unit essentially outside of the position under center, which is why everyone also speculated Aaron Rodgers. Also, I will say that they have, Warren Sharp does all those projected tool metrics, and uh, the Broncos are actually projected with the league's easiest passing schedule for their offense. And some people scoff because they say, like, those things change over the year. And that is true, but that just tells you they have an easy battle till the end of the season. Even if they don't finish with the easiest schedule, it's going to be quite easy. And so that's, like, why you want Bridgewater under center. because he's Not a good defensive division at all. There's no defense. Maybe the Chargers are decent, but there's no defense that scares you in that division. And Bridgewater can at least complete passes whereas we are still questioning that with drew lock they're going to be the kind of team i hate to watch but they but they could yeah. be really good you know they're, they're, it's going to be like like low scoring tough nose defense i mean their, their defense should probably be the first off the off the board in in, mm. in fantasy leagues this year uh, I, I, I don't i don't know about that i mean they're in a division with uh this fella named patrick mahomes oh, well, and oh, herbert it's that, fair it's too dangerous Derek carr i mean that's it. Right. Right. I stand by that take for now. Uh, but I, I just, also think I, I think just want to plant this flag, though, like no one else is sticking by Teddy Bridgewater. When Teddy Bridgewater is your QB 15 at the end of the year and gets like the second alternate invitation to the Pro Bowl, you will remember this podcast. <laughs> well, Greg, it's a great flag to plant because it's a big variable, but it's one of those like one variable situations. Like if just if this one thing goes right, pretty much everything else is in place. It's not like one of those situations where like, where if the line, you know, is better, like if the receivers can take a step forward, it's one of those situations where it really is just like one variable. So the Broncos are a pretty good 2021 flag to plant, I feel like. Fangio also mentioned wanting a winner under center. They were giving Locke all the first, most of the first team reps in OTAs. And it's like Bridgewater has won more games than Locke the past. Hey, Drew Locke beat Kentucky at least maybe once, I think. At yes. I think actually he might've gone 0 and 4 against them. Um, and I was at one of the worst sporting event I've ever been to. It was a Mizzou Kentucky football game in October of 2018, by the way, look up the highlights. Been I will not. Benny Snell, I believe, had 68 carries that day. I mean, this is like who Drew Locke was in college. That's the part of it where I don't, yeah. I don't get it. It's like, uh. and he looks, he looks like a quarterback. And he like, look, he looks. I don't like hate any team. Like our job obviously gets better. So this is self-serving. If every team is good, and uh, the fact the team is hanging their hat on a second-round quarterback, they can just cut ties with, and like they actually don't have any capital invested in it at all. It's still just an odd situation to me. It is. Beyond Greg's beloved Broncos, who who's another second division team that might generate some August hype? Mm. Like like so, people sleeping on the Broncos to me that's a legitimate that's a legitimate talking point. That is something that I hope we'll read about more. And I could see it kind of becoming like a mini training camp narrative. But I, I guess I'll start with John or Denny. Like who who is like a Broncos to you? Or like a team where like you know you don't feel like the greatest putting the take out into the world but you like some of the stuff there and you think that just like if one or two things go right, who, who's a team that you could see being like your Broncos? Who are your Broncos, John? Well, oddly <laughs> enough, my Broncos are the Chargers. I thought uh, you were saying the Broncos. No, 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 my Broncos, oddly enough, are the Chargers. <laughs> Do they even count though? Are they like a dark horse or are we just already no, assuming that? This is like the typical Chargers thing, right? This yes. is the year. Perpetually the Chargers. the Chargers, forever the Chargers, yes. This is it, it might it, with Brandon Staley. The, talk about, he felt like he did feel like the missing piece to me there. I mean, uh, it's it's really great to say about a guy who has one year of coordinating experience. Like this guy is the head coach, is the missing piece for this organization. He Brandon Staley is to feel like the right man at the right time for the Los Angeles Chargers to me. But I'm like uh, a little worried about Joe Lombardi. You know, I love yeah. Justin Herbert, and 
I was kind I was like thinking it wouldn't be the worst outcome for him to keep their coaching staff because it's like when you put up what I think arguably the greatest season any rookie quarterbacks ever had. I don't know, maybe think about not changing the staff and going with like the totally mediocre like grandson of Vince Lombardi to take <laughs> to take him and like no one mentions that at all. I know the offensive line looks better and they and I think Herbert's so good it shouldn't matter, but you know, I'm a little anxious. I didn't I wasn't aware you hated Vince Lombardi. I, this is new, new to me. Anti-American. <laughs> Anti-American. Yeah, um, my my Broncos are the Jets. Oh uh, yeah, you've you've been workshopping this one also. I'm I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> wow. Low key, yeah, man. Low low key, maybe top five offensive line if they're all healthy. Oh, um, really? The big jump though. Yeah, that, I don't know about jump. that. I mean, they got a top five left tackle, maybe. Left side, even. Yeah, the left side. side. They've got a lot of resources invested in the left side yeah. there. You're the right. right. When Moses, when they signed Moses, I suddenly was like, you know what? I maybe I'm gonna buy this Jets offense yeah. now. Yeah, no, look, they're gonna have a solid running game. I think they can keep Zach Wilson in check, you know, not making the horrific mistakes that I can actually visualize when I close my eyes. And you know, if the defense is solid enough, I think I think they they could surprise. You could say this about literally any team, but <laughs> but I I I I I like me some Jets. Mm, I've got a few for you, Pat. A few Lay them on us. Lay them on because yeah, you're the, well, this first, isn't the kind of thing you really excel at. No, you got yeah. You guys are more tied in with the you know the betting houses, gambling, and everything than we can be like officially. But I I am surprised just to see. I'm noting. I just like the Giants and the Eagles almost as a combo, like basically not the Cowboys or Washington winning that division. I think they're kind of what Denny would say. You could do this for any team, but I think you can definitely do it for the Giants and the Eagles, both that they're not quite as bad as people think. The Falcons were like incredibly unlucky last year to only win however many games they won. And I think the coaching's upgraded, like Dean Pease an upgrade on defense and Arthur Smith on offense. And then this one's not as much of a, like a underdog, but in terms of like maybe making the Super Bowl, I feel like the 49ers aren't like getting a lot of pop. Like they're kind of considered third in that division, which I don't know. Couldn't you just see everyone covering Trey Lance for two weeks at the Super Bowl? And it's like, they did it again. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just, I can see that scenario with like a great defense and all the talent that they have, that they go like far, far. You piqued my interest with what I wish that I wasn't going, but when you said the giants, I was kind of like, yeah, you know, because like last year's like offense like exploded like league wide. The Giants allowed almost a hundred fewer points than the year prior. Like that defense was coming together last year, and you know it's Daniel Jones who's basically like the like the the aristocratic Drew Locke, but they have <laughs> a lot of He's weapons. So much better though. He's so much better. Yes, he, he is. But like then they have, but it's like almost like a Broncos type situation where they have all these weapons. They've invested so heavily in the weapons that they seem to have the chess pieces set up on defense and they definitely they're, they're trying to set them up on offense. And like, it's such a bad division. Like you said, where the giants, I do kind of feel like maybe we're sleeping on the giants. I, I was to say, I'm still worried about the offense altogether. Uh, but like the character that Joe judges, how easy it is to make fun of his press conferences, like overshadows the fact that Patrick Graham is, has become one of the best DCs in the entire league. And they just added to that talent with Dory Jackson and others this offseason. Only allowed 30-plus points in two games last year. So, like, that's the unit that could perhaps drag them to a division title through um, everyone else if the other three just falter for their weaknesses as well. Joe Judge, by the way, too, just seemed like 
we like to clown on Joe, but it seems like the players, he's like, th- he like threaded the needle last year. Like he did a lot of like the cliche football guy stuff, but the players like actually seemed to enjoy it for the most part. You're, well, hold up. You're, you're known as the number one Joe judge hater on the internet. First, first this, this write-up I wrote on Joe judge was positive. Like I it was actually a positive. It was as positive as you possibly could be, but exactly. it still wasn't, it still wasn't positive. Where was he in your coach rankings? He was like twenty third or something. Yeah. Uh, I would say I I were stand out by of him. how many though? Do you count the first year guys? No, it was like, like it was 26. out of like twenty six. Yeah, like twenty six. Yeah, one year he went one year and he went six and ten. Right, you're right. But, you yeah, you but, were you were generous. He should have been dead last. I talked. Whoa, about whoa. They were fine. <laughs> they 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 had a tough spot. Here's all they, they I just want them to not be boring. They've been boring for like a decade at this point. They do get Barkley back. They do get Galladay. I mean, they should be kind of, that should be a fun, Kadarius Tony felt like a bit of a waste of a pick. We'll see just because I don't like trust they'll figure out how to use him. But I've always thought Shepard, I mean, it's a lot of ifs though. Like Shepard and Ingram, like have never played a game together. It's like at one, like they are, one of those two are always hurt. But if, if they actually got like some injury luck that it's like only one of those guys goes down and, and you keep Barkley and you keep Shepard and you keep Galladay like that, that could be fun. I think it could be fun. Well, Ingram was finally healthy last year for all 16 games. And yet he still finished with a career low in catches and receiving yards per game. So it's just like, there's just a ton of question marks, but if it all clicks, sure. They could be fun. And the receiver injuries, Greg, that's why you go out and use a first round pick on a player who's played 18 games at wide receiver in his football career. It's just, it's you got to do it. If you have fundamentally the why you hire Jason Garrett, cause no yeah. one's going to bring out the creativity <laughs> like him. Just, just check out Tavon Austin's yep. time in Dallas. Oh no, oh, 20 <laughs> touches back. a game. No, what? Yeah. Jason Garrett single-handedly killed the web back position that he also created. <laughs> uh, I take this all back. I'm going, now I'm going Eagles. Big dogs to win that division. Mm. They got a chance to win that division. They're not that bad. They do. That division's pretty lame. Her they got points, but they are not the Lions. I feel like they're getting thrown around with the Texans and the Lions and the Jaguars. And to me, they are not that. They could easily stumble into eight wins this year. I just don't, I, the Eagles. I don't know if they even want to though. Like I feel like they're kind of like. I feel like they're kind of like pursuing that number one overall pick. No one actually really does it. I do highly doubt Howie Roseman's probably not actually doing that. He's probably, you no, know, I don't think he feels yeah. that his job security would be good enough. No, <laughs> and, you know, unless this is like a Jeffrey Lurie directive, but it almost feels like to me, like the, the way that they're undermining, at least like publicly, what like the way that they're pu- kind of publicly undermining Jalen Hurts, I feel like they're never talking so. about Jalen Hurts. Say that again. He was like a late second round pick. They're giving him a chance. I mean, Joe yeah, Flacco yeah. is his backup. What more do you, what more do, can you want if you're Jalen Hurts? I mean, it, it just, you, you don't have to mean it. I would just give him a little more positive lip service where they're saying, like, well, we're not going to. They were saying, Denny and I have been talking about this yes. all offseason. They're talking about, like, well, we might do some RPOs. We, we might do some quarterback runs. But I mean, right. But he has to fit the system. Sirianni, yeah, exactly. Sirianni has been very tepid on embracing Hurts. Very. So. Anyways, I, uh, I, I will say whatever happens to the Eagles, no team will be prepared to play Joe Flacco if Jalen Hurts is somehow injured and uh, they have to make a last minute switch. You're not preparing for Jalen Hurts and then suddenly you're prepared for Joe Flacco. Two totally different playbooks. I think what we I, just decided, by the way, the Eagles and Giants are both winning the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never realized that like I loved football as much as I did as when uh, I watched the Jets with Joe Flacco last year and was like, you know what? 
Joe Flacco looks yeah, not bad. This, this is kind of fun. This is not kind terrible. of fun. I'm actually having a good time watching Joe Flacco. Well, because Joe Flacco, he's just like he's like in you know always going to have stubble mode, and I'm just airing the ball out mode. Like you can take it or leave it. I'm throwing the ball deep. A lot. <laughs> like, he will which... always have the first half of that Super Bowl. That's the best I've ever seen. I think anyone play football in person in my entire life was Joe Flacco. It was really this 30 minutes. It wasn't even the second half. It was like the first half, but it was unbelievable. I was going to say the playoffs, like that postseason yeah. run, the Zoomers right. can go back and look it up. Like it was the absolute perfect situation for a young franchise quarterback on a contract year to just go undefeated into the Super Bowl and just be flawless without an interception. Yeah, the second half and overtime of that divisional round win over the Broncos, that was up there with the Super Bowl performance too <laughs> greg we alluded to this earlier when you look at fantasy adps as an outsider quote unquote who, mm. what are some of the ones that strike you for lack of a better word as insane uh where have us fantasy guys lost touch with the real world we do this on our around the nfl fantasy preview just kind of like checking the adp for the first time and you will be like surprised by a lot of things that just at, at some point became very comfortable you just said tight ends don't matter i'll just start there because i happen to be checking uh, where Goddard was like, you said tight ends don't matter, but I'd be kind of, I'd be kind of excited to take Goddard or Fant somewhere towards the end there. I think they the, could matter. The the middling, like the argument for tight ends is that, you know, the top Kelsey Waller, uh, George no, Kittle. I, yeah, right. you get it. Are just so defined that the rest of them are all similar, like tight end four to tight end 24, all just the same guys. Kyle I feel Rudolph. like those two could be a, like they could crack into that top three with like, a, with not that much, of a few things going crazy. Like, it seems crazy to me. Here's what, here's one to answer your question. It seems crazy to me that Travis Kelsey is a top 10 pick. What? He is positional value. I mean, cause the drop off, I get it, but he's still the same guy. I always look more like at every, he's still just the same Travis Kelsey as he's always been. Mm -hmm. And he's always been, like a third round pick. Well, didn't he? Right? Didn't he? Leave so I don't want to take him in the first round. It just, just seems he... obvious. He did, but that's like probably not going to happen. You know, that's very unlikely to happen again. Yeah. That was his career year. Like I don't know. I think it's that's also a testament to the question marks. Like if you look at the other running backs behind, let's say Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook, I'm sure y'all have had the Kamara conversation on the podcast already. But the fact that like maybe the offense craters and thus there's a risk of ruin and drafting Kamara. Um, same Zeke Elliott. He was so bad last year, even though I think we can explain why. Same goes for Saquon Barkley, who may be limited. Like the number three overall pick, three through ten, let's say, is so uncertain that here's Travis Kelsey, this certain guy at a position you'll need to start one per week why don't you lock it up and just never worry about that position for the rest of the draft mm. strategical not a bad thought the only one I'm greg true was travis i mean Kelsey. zeke to me seems pretty like those guys seem relatively safe and if you're gonna go that far then i would just go with one of the receivers anyways who aren't going there i can't believe exactly. cd lamb is the wide receiver 10 what that is crazy like it's crazy it's crazy. What's I actually the, don't agree that, that that's one. bumped up because of the Cooper news about he's probably not even going to practice till mid to late August with the, the when does the season start? I'm not saying it's 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 correct. I just I no, you I are think, Danny. I, I think it is. I think I think people are projecting him as like the clear number one option in that offense, and they're and they're drafting him probably above his ceiling at this point. Right? Because in what I don't see any reason to think he's the clear number one option, even if I mean if Cooper is a little banged up you know, then he's one of the options. I don't, I guess I didn't see anything when you've seen Allen Robinson year after year and, and you've seen, I'm trying to look who's below him that I would take McLaurin is below him. Yeah. Like that seems 
that seems dicey. At, there's also like the ADP setters now in the industry. There's been a big wave, a shift to like second year players. You know, and there's a good explanation that for that for breakouts and everything. But I do think sometimes we uh, get too much into the weeds whenever guys like Gallup and Cooper and Zeke and Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz and all still exist in this offense to then covet one player out of all of those instead of just taking the discounts. Right. You, you, you mentioned second year players like Ayuk is 53 right now. I mean, that sounds great. Or T Higgins mid mm-hmm. middle rounds. That sounds great. Wouldn't surprise me if Higgins like leads the Bengals in receiving. Oh, yeah. And Ayuk, there's like the big question. You mentioned Trey Lance earlier. Uh, what, what the hell is this offense besides Uber efficient? But like, where does the volume go to? We don't have a clue. Like Trey Lance's comp is Michael Vick. If everything clicks, but if not, what is this office? Is it just running the ball with Mostert, Sermon, uh, Gallman when Jeff Wilson returns later in the year and Lance, and that's what they're doing heavily? Like, we just don't know. Plus, Debo Samuel Healthy, as we know, is also like a hybrid running back who um, could just outproduce Dayuk. Maybe, yeah. I feel like that's one thing I think gets lost in fantasy t- sometimes. It's just like, who's good? Who's good at football? Yeah. And I and I do and I, I love matter. Samuel, so that's I'm kind of speaking out of both sides because I love Samuel too. But if I had to pick, you have to pick one between them. It's like it's kind of like it hurts to see Chubb twelfth behind like Jonathan Taylor and even Zeke and stuff because it's just like I don't know Chubb's too good at football for me to like bet on right. Jonathan Taylor over him, no matter how much I like Jonathan Taylor. Well, Denny will tell you never ever draft good players. No, I only bat, I, only the bad players. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> the road I, to I, ruin is drafting good players. I stick I stick to my guns. You stick to your gun. You tout the Jets quite literally all summer. And, uh, so you got to be. I don't. Winner. I don't know. He, he, Denny might be onto something fantasy wise. I could see the Jets. Look into it, Greg. Look into it. I'm with you. Do the deep dive. Uh, someone mentioned Trey Lawrence. So this this was something I want to talk about. Trey. What did, I, what did I say? Trey Lawrence? Trey Lawrence. Trey Lance. Beyond Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, both I think are safely projectable as week one starters. Greg, who is the most likely rookie quarterback to have the starting job locked up by the end, end of training camp? Is it Trey Lance? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Mac Jones? All of the above. Who do you have the most faith in to earn, to have the starting job sewn up by the end of August? After I think they all have a shot, but I'd probably go Lance one. Fields two and Jones three. And a lot of it is just who they're well in Lance's case. It's just like, I think they drafted him hoping for the best case scenario, which is him starting week one. Mm-hmm. And I think until we start hearing some reports, we don't really know, but I don't, I don't think like the default is starting Garoppolo that everyone seems to think that's the default. Whereas in new England and Chicago, I think the default is starting the veteran. If Lance shows up and like, looks like, RG three looked as a rookie in training camp. I think he's just going to start week one and they will find either keep Jimmy, which seems messy or just find a home for him because I'm sure teams would take, they would figure out some way to get Jimmy Garoppolo on another team. The Denver Broncos. Is that the, or is that what you're thinking with your Broncos? Um, Jimmy G to the Broncos. The thing with the Trey Lance, I just can't get out of my, I say it, I think almost literally every podcast, but that he is an FCS quarterback whose sole game in the past two years was an exhibition against Central Arkansas. And I could just see maybe even the Broncos, even though they have so much invested in not the Broncos, 49ers, even though they have so much invested in this, maybe not forcing the issue and having him out there. But like, I could yeah, see he- it not going well. I could see him not having a good August and then he won't play. But I think if he, it's like, I remember doing posts about Rogers looking worse than, <laughs> 
gosh, who was the Tim Boyle or not Tim Boyle? No, it wasn't Tim Boyle back then. But no, it was even worse. But he was, you know, he was he was third on the depth chart, and because he supposedly, according to even Bob McGinn and all those people that were watching every day, was terrible in his first training game. So if that happens, Trey Lance isn't playing. I don't know what else. Like if Trey Lance starts, do they just bench Garoppolo and his twenty-six million hit? Because no one's taking him at that point of the season, right? Like the Patriots just hoping he's cut so they can sign him as like a third stringer. He could maybe renegotiate your, yeah, you're right. I mean, it would be very tricky. He could maybe renegotiate a contract if they were going to cut him, you know, for like 10 million bucks to be someone's one B that's the worst case scenario for Jimmy Garoppolo. There is a scenario where he does not get that money. I feel like this year, Mm -hmm. The NBC Sports Edge 2021 draft guide is live. It is packed with hundreds of player profiles, rankings for every format, projections, tiers, mock drafts, custom scoring, ADP trend reports, and so much more. It has been updated to reflect all the latest news, including Cam Akers' injury, Michael Thomas's surgery. I believe we have Michael Thomas parked somewhere in the neighborhood of wide receiver 32 to 35 right now. To save on the draft guide, use promo code SAVE10 to get 10% off at NBCSportsEdge.com slash win. That is save 10 for 10% off. Greg, we're almost out of time. It was Craig Nall, by the way. Craig Nall was better than Aaron Rodgers in his rookie. <laughs> That's amazing. Still, still is. That's actually, that and, was was to, and took reps ahead of him in the preseason and in practice the whole time. And everyone was flipping out of like, what a bad draft pick this was. And people were going crazy that Craig Nall was the you, backup. You he was your- the backup that season. You heard it here first. Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that's what that's what they're hoping for. Maybe that is saying. very much what they're hoping for. I could just end the show, but uh, you kind of mentioned earlier, Greg, who's the second year player you think might show out this summer? Mm. Is just Brandon Ayuk? He already kind of showed out. Brandon Ayuk. Uh, yeah, it's a little tricky. You got anything crazy to say? Like Jalen Rager's gonna be better than Devontae Smith? Who's the second year player that's gonna show out this year? Mm, you're right. I mean. Cause like Judy does just Judy, Judy doesn't count and Higgins they kind of there's already people did. truthing Jerry Judy. There's people truthing Jerry Judy still. Oh, I would, I, I would do it. That's where I mean, I'm, I mean just, they're like anti truthing him. They're like, oh, saying okay. like, oh, you know, I had all those air yards last year. He didn't do anything with them. It um, is a tough spot though, to go, to go wild. I'll go, I'll go Higgins. I think Higgins like he's being, the answer. He's the answer. being, being better than even the, you know, the people think. Last question. What well, you're not gonna go to Denny for that? You're just leaving Denny no, just out no. and cutting him off. Denny, uh yeah, yeah I hate up. to say this, but Denny, I I received I don't try not to read texts during the show, but I got a text from HR that your firework is your paperwork has finally been processed. <laughs> and I and, and I have been fired. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so well, please mute, mute what can yourself. you do? All right, I'll see you guys later. Please mute yeah. yourself for the rest of this. No, <laughs> you have to actually stay on the uh, camera so I can officially do it when the show ends, but please uh, stay muted. For I see the, the the humiliation must be total. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the theme uh, so, we we wanted. Oh, you go. No, you go, Danny. You go. Judy is very interesting. If the team was going to be like a high volume passing team or or anything close to it, anything close to it, honestly, because like you said, like he was an air yards, prayer yards, some would say, champion last year. It just you know didn't convert it because of the quarter because of quarterback play. I mean, it, you know, Drew Locke could not hit him. At all, no matter no matter what the route was, but he was open very often. So I I, I get that what, what, what Greg is saying there, but I just feel like the Broncos are going to try to win in a much different way than actually using their great pass catchers. 
So Danny basically said he's a good player, which is the reason why. Yeah, right. He's way too good for me to draft him. Uh, (laughs) We wanted the theme to be training camp storylines. We've talked about a lot of them, but Greg, beyond the Saints, beyond rookie quarterbacks, do you have a camp battle that you're looking forward to the most this August? I mean, honestly, it's just it's probably Cam and Mac Jones. I mean, that's that is not beyond the quarterbacks, but I'm just not. But yeah, talk about because it is a it's a fascinating dynamic to me because. I, mean, I I think I mean Cam was like last year. I don't remember people like David Ortiz's last year in Boston. Like he like clearly had saved up a lot of energy to like for his last year. Like it was clearly like leaving it all on the table and it was amazing. Cam like wasn't amazing last year. That's kind of the feeling I got from Cam's 2020. That like this was like his last hurrah. Like he's his shoulder is just wrecked. Like he is gutting this out. Still having some special moments occasionally, but it's kind of you know, it's kind of over for Cam, and I'm kind of, like, shocked that this is, like, being left well, so because Belichick open. loves him. That's why I'm so interested in it. I think Belichick really wants to stick it to everyone and win with Cam. I really do. With, like, a hurry-up offense where they don't take anyone off the field. They started doing that the last three or four weeks of the season when everyone stopped watching the Patriots. Some weeks went well, some weeks didn't, but they played really fast. And I think that's how you play with, if you with the two tight ends. Like 2010, they blew everyone's minds with Gronk and Hernandez. And it was less about that just, you know, they hit these two draft picks, which obviously, you know, they did. But more just like they suddenly started playing so much faster than the rest of the league and not taking players off and substitutions. And I think that's exactly what they want to do this year, that they just and I think they see Cam Newton as the quarterback for that team, because on paper, the offensive line is like a great run blocking offensive line, maybe the best in the league. And that that is going to be their ticket on offense. But Cam's like got to not, you know, Cam's got to hit some th- hit some difficult throws. And I know the weapons were bad, but he's got to throw throw it better because I, I think Belichick really wants to win that way. I th- I do. I don't deny that Belichick definitely wants to like like he said <laughs> stick to stick it to everyone who you know doubts that Cam Newton can can win with the Patriots. But Cam Newton has resembled a an extremely washed quarterback for years now it's been years of of seeing this same sort of play over and over and over again i don't see he will win the camp battle because i believe bill like like greg said belichick wants him to be the week one starter he's not going to hold on to the job there's just no Mm. way it's tough for cam because he still looks like a truly world-class athlete it's just that his shoulder is just it's like hanging on by a thread it's kind of the way i've been interpreting it but it's also tough for us because like the world and football are just better when cam is good. But like Denny said, it's been a couple of years now. The fact they got seven wins with a quarterback cam who threw for eight touchdowns last year is still an incredible feat. And it's so that's, yeah. and their defense, the last, sunk. their defense was worse than their offense. And their balance. defense is so much better. Like on not only the opt-ins, but also just everyone they added in free agency, their depth in their front seven is perhaps the deepest in the league. They mm-hmm. can go, they can go there to the 13th guy and be just fine. It's incredible. The good news is whoever Bill Belichick chooses a quarterback, he's going to be owning someone. He's going to be owning people. I told you Cam wasn't finished, or he's going to be owning people who like, y'all laughed at Mac Jones, and who's laughing now? That's Besides right. everyone still. Well, yeah. unless they go like 7-10, and 10 and they're worse after just spending $150 million, which feels like it's at least on the table as a possibility. It's, it's still like help, though, that – Mac just fell to them at 15th overall. Like I, I don't think they even wanted them. They were just like, yeah, we need that. Just to they were going to take. At, I forget who reported it that they were going to take Vera Tucker 
or that the Jets mm-hmm. at least thought they were going to take Vera Tucker and trade it. And that's why they traded up to 14. It's so, so bizarre that like, now we wanted a guard, but let's just like change the next six yeah. years of our franchise <laughs> because Mac Jones fell to us. I don't know. Yeah. It's a little strange. You know, by the way, the Greg is professional. Is that he remembered to say seven and 10 and not seven. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm also like remembering all the answers that I, you know, gave like poor ones throughout the podcast, like looking for second year guys. I haven't found that, but I do just notice OBJ is ADP 58. I'm just, you know, take my chances every third round. I'm just gonna just give me OBJ. Don't even mess around with all that or trying to be cute about it. Just, just take them. You just, Greg's been out of the fantasy game too. He thinks being good matters. Be good players. Being good players and big swings. That, that was always the way to do it. Being good at fantasy at football is a liability in fantasy. Um, as Denny will tell you. So that is, that's all the time we have for today. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. What do you have cooking? I know you, you proclaimed like your off season work done in like May. I remember you had written a lot. You had, what yeah. was it? Yeah, what, it was, was the it? projected starter series and exactly. that's like eight articles and in, in two weeks. And I was just like, I'm, I'm done. Leave me alone. <laughs> this is enough. But, uh, you but we're back coming now. Up that you're excited we are about? back. I, I mean, I'm writing stuff weekly but i'm almost never excited about that anymore but uh we have our pod you know the around the nfl podcast we're back uh, a couple times a week and we have our tv shows on fridays in the preseason and i think saturday mornings in the regular season we got the green light so that's that's fun and i've got uh i've got like uh, the jessel nick and rosenthal vanity project my other podcast that helps me <laughs> uh hopefully send my kids to college one day you, you, you have some tennis podcast too. Am, am I, I do. I did add a third tennis podcast. That is for no money whatsoever, but <laughs> talk about a vanity project as if I needed another podcast. I do love me some tennis. So we're going to, we're going to hit some um, Olympics tennis on courts of thunder, which I'm sure no one listening. I, I am going to listen <laughs> by the way, just keep stacking vanity projects though. That's what you should be doing. And <laughs> this is a good football show around the NFL is the best football show. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, yeah, for you didn't start the website, but thank you for building our website that we all work at. That was thank you for feeding helpful. our children. That's that was great. pretty helpful for us. And uh, but we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for Greg, for John, for Denny, I'm Pat. We'll catch you later this week. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.